So this morning, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to take us through, uh, for, and through Colossians 3, 1 through 18, but when I was preparing and, and really praying through a message for today, um, I really felt the Lord laying on my heart the topic of compassion. Um, it's something that I, I feel like that the challenge in this day and age, we've, as a nation, as a people, um, as a church, uh, whatever category you'd like to put us in, we've been really going through it this past year and a half. Um, and I feel like there's been things that as a nation and as people, we've been going through for an even longer time. And I probably say this a lot, but I, I'm the type, I really like to read news articles. I like to see what's going on in the world. And then I also have this habit of going and looking in comment sections. It's, you know, I, I feel like it's just another element of social media, but the one thing I continue to see that, that really is, it's, it's sad to me, is that as a nation and as people, there's been a general loss of compassion in society. And I feel that as a nation, we've, we've moved away from being people that could be compassionate. Um, and it's a, it's a sad thing to see. So today, I wanted to, as as a body of Christ, I want us to sort of dig into the idea of compassion and getting this idea of biblical compassion. And as a people, that encouragement and reminder that we're called in Christ to be a people of compassion. And the importance for our day and age is that we as a people of God, so much of who we are, it's meant to be countercultural. Um, we're meant to basically be able to share what the kingdom of God is like. Our lives get to demonstrate to others who God is and his goodness and his mercy. And one thing as I was, I was preparing is that, you know, 2 Timothy 3.16, you know, scripture is good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I love this verse because I think depending on where we are in our lives, sometimes we can look at the word from different angles um, sometimes we can look at it as, oh no, am I going to get, you know, what, am I going to read something? Am I going to have to change something? Am I going to be um, called out? But that, to be honest, as believers, it's such a great, for us to be in a place where the Lord highlights things to us in our hearts, it's a great place to be. And it's a great place because God's desire isn't that we accept him and we remain stagnant but that instead we're called forward in him, that we're continually being renewed, that we're continually being, um, having his life and his transformation breathed into us, that we get to daily walk with him and that we get to grow more and more in his likeness. And, and I say that because sometimes when I feel like for myself, I've grown up in the church, I've, you know, I've, I've been helping with ministry for a lot of time, um, and I feel sometimes, oh, okay. And I feel like sometimes when, I feel like I risk sometimes oversimplifying topics. And what I mean by that is something like compassion. I sometimes look and I say, oh, you know, we're, and, you know, we as a people, we are, we are compassionate. But yet I'm reminded from 2 Timothy 3.16 that anything that the Lord has placed in his word, anything that the Lord has placed and that's been written down in the Bible, 
it's always good for us to go back continually and to look at it. Because as a people, it's so important that we continually are observing the Lord, that we continually place ourselves in a place of being open to him and wanting to be transformed and become more like him. So if you would go ahead and if you would turn with me to Colossians 3, verse 1. All right, so Colossians 3, 1. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, I really, I really love this passage because it covers, it covers so much about us as believers. It covers so much about, it's it's really a roadmap in a sense. Um, It's a roadmap of, as believers, you know, how do we live in the day-to-day? How do we go about modeling Christ to those around us? And at the very end, we see Paul talk about that we're clothing ourselves with compassion, that we're a people that are to clothe ourselves in compassion. And just like, you know, all of us, we all wear our attire. If we wear uniforms of work, or we wear a specialized work attire, a polo. What we wear symbolizes a lot about who we are in relation to, you know, in the work case, in relation to work. It really reflects a lot of who we are. So if I'm wearing a Penn State shirt and I'm at work, it 
reflects my connection, my affiliation. So it's believers, when we put on compassion, we're showing a connection. We're showing and reflecting the Lord. So compassion, I, you know, I, as I was thinking more and more about this, um, I can't help but, when preparing, I can't help but think and reflect on, okay, where, where am I in this topic? Where is, where is my heart? Where is my lifestyle when it comes to compassion? Um, and, and at the risk of uh, oversimplif- or, um, yeah, oversimplifying my thought process, I can't help but look at every encounter I have and start evaluating it. So when we're driving out to West Virginia yesterday, car doesn't use their turn signal, slows down. In my mind, I'm like, oh, I was not compassionate in my thoughts or in what I was thinking about this scenario. Whereas I can also then think and be like, well, when we were at the park the other day and kids are like, oh, hey, my parent needs to get in line with us because they're, they're in a wheelchair and they aren't able to you know, wait in line the whole time. That was a point that I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, by all means, no, don't, don't, be, don't apologize. No, that makes, please, go stand in front of us. Um, I say that because I feel like a lot of times in our lives, we have that opportunity. We have the opportunity because the Lord's given us his Holy Spirit, right? Our guide and our helper and really our empower, right? We all have that opportunity to, when we encounter his word, to turn and reflect and look at our own lives and allow the Lord actually to highlight and lead us and challenge us and grow us. And so with compassion, you know, the other thing I was thinking with compassion is, I mean, how many of you have experienced somebody showing you compassion? A lot of you have, yeah. I was thinking just a, a week or so, or actually it was a few months ago now when we were working on our wonderful fence project. I was sitting there digging and digging. So, you know, for, for anyone who's taken out posts before, you know that you probably have about 50 to 100 pounds of concrete at the bottom of a pole that's, you know, two feet down, most likely below frost line. Um, and so I was in the process. Some, some of my posts, they came out easy. Some of them didn't. And this was probably about the third or fourth full day working on things, trying to fix some fence posts. And I'm sitting there, I'm down in the dirt, I'm all gross and disgusting. And I, I think I had an old little crowbar, and I'm sitting and I'm digging and I'm digging and I'm digging. And then out of nowhere, my neighbor shows up and he's like, hey, Jeff, you know, here's, here's a pry bar. This will probably, you know, I've used this to take stumps out. It's probably going to help a lot more. And... It was so wonderful to receive that because I know it wasn't just a, it was actually a moment where my neighbor was looking outside or walking to his car and saw, some, saw me struggling with getting a fence post out. And he actually knew something that would help me where I was and he brought it and he provided it to me. So I think for, for those of us who, we have those encounters of compassion, it, it's such a, such a wonderful thing to receive, you know, and I want to always encourage you to remember that those types of things that we experience from others, that type of compassion is the type of compassion that the Lord would desire that we give to others because the Lord himself has modeled compassion for us. So when we look at the idea of compassion and how it relates to Colossians 3, 1 through 18, um, you know, I mentioned it's, it's really like a roadmap, you know, um, as I was reading and, and digging into this, this passage, it, 
really points out four key things, okay? So this is, the title of my message today is Deep-Seated Compassion. And the reason I wanted to go with that is because um, when we look at the Greek word for compassion, the Greek word for compassion tries to drive this sense of it's, it's like deep-seated in the bowels. Sometimes in, in uh, Greek and Hebrew, you get this like, it's about like the innards, which it's always interesting to me that we would refer to like vowels as a location of uh, anything going on um, other than digestion. But it's, compassion is something that's deep-seated, it's inward, it's down there, it's in our gut, it's, it's deep down. And so when we're looking at Colossians 3, 1 through 18, I believe that God gives us just that roadmap and that outline, the roadmap and outline of how to get not just compassion, but other things, but we're focusing on compassion today, but getting it deep-seated in our hearts, getting it deep-seated in our innermost being. And so the first section of this, the first step is that what are our hearts and our minds set on? So in verse 3, 1 through 2, you know, Paul writes, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So one of the first steps is where, where are our hearts, where are our minds centered on, right? And, and I know it's one of those things that's, for me, I'll admit, it's, it's a lot easier said than done to look and say, where is my mind set? Where is my heart set? Is my heart really set on the things of the Lord right now? Is my mind really set on the things of the Lord? And I think the coolest thing is, and it might sound so funny to say, but the coolest thing is that as believers, we have that freedom. And that when we think those things and say, you know, is my heart, is my mind really? It doesn't offend God. It doesn't, it doesn't in any way risk our position of children of God with him when we think and say, Lord, where is, where is my heart? Where is my mind? Is it focused on the things above, or is it focused on other things? And so we always need to, as we're growing in the Lord, as we're stirring up the things of him, one of the first places we start is looking and saying, where, where, you know, where's my mind, where's my heart? So I like to simplify the idea of, you know, how do we set our heart and our minds on things above? And so for me, I like to, I like to simplify this because I feel it's very relevant for all of us, but remembering and recalling and thinking upon God's character. So within his character, we know his character as he reveals himself is he's full of compassion, he's full of mercy, he's rich in love. Um, what am I, I I'm, I'd have to get you the address in the Psalms, but there's or a verse that's, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, and he's rich in love. That summarizes our creator. It summarizes our Lord so well that he's compassionate, right? We see um, in Exodus 33, that's first where, you know, Moses was asking the Lord, you know, I, I want to see your glory. And the Lord says, yeah, I, I'll let you see it, but you're not going to see my face. I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand, and you'll be able to see me as I pass by. And in that moment, um, the Lord's compassion is declared and his mercy and his love. You know, throughout the Old Testament also, um, 
we see his compassion and his mercy. In a lot of the um, Old Testament prophets, you hear uh, the Lord's heart as the people have turned, you know, for, you know, most of us, we're all aware of uh, in the Old Testament that the nation of Israel, they were God's chosen people, and the Lord gave them so much. He gave them his word. He gave them structure for government. Um, and still, even in the midst of him pulling them out of Egypt, they were, they were prone. Their hearts were prone to wonder from the Lord. Their hearts were prone to not just wonder and forget him, but forget him and chase other gods. Um, but in the midst of it, there was times of the Lord's compassion going out to them. His heart was deeply compassionate for his people that even as the consequences of them chasing other gods and, and violating the covenant with the Lord, he still had compassion when he saw where they were. And I think one of, the, one of my favorite stories that we get, one of my favorite chapters out of the Old Testament um, or books is the book of Jonah. And, and the reason I like that is I feel like many of us can relate at times. Um, and what I mean by that, you know, in Jonah, uh, most of you probably are all, all aware of the story of Jonah. He, the Lord called him to go to Nineveh. He decided to go the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. And in the process of going the exact opposite direction of Nineveh, he was in a boat, storm flared up, they cast lots. He was the person. He went overboard, got swallowed by a big, humongous whale, fish, whatever it may be. It was something really big to swallow a man. Um, and then he ended up getting shipped right on over via, uh, well, I guess you can't say snail mail. It wasn't a snail, but, you know, uh, we'll say whale mail. Uh, whale mail brought him on over to the shore there by Nineveh, and he ended up going and preaching what the Lord had, had told him to do, which was uh, to repent. And in the midst of that encounter, the people ended up, you know, the, the city, they received the word, and they turned, they fasted, they changed their ways, um, and the Lord relented, and he didn't destroy the city of Nineveh. Um, to me, where the story gets interesting is that this man of God, this prophet Jonah, then goes outside of the city. And there's almost this exchange with the Lord where he's, He's sort of perturbed. He's ticked off. He, he wasn't really happy. But he says in Jonah 4.2, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. So Jonah ultimately, in a sense, he ran because he knew the Lord was compassionate. And he knew that if these people received what the Lord was sharing, even though Nineveh was not God's chosen people, Nineveh was not the nation of Israel, but God had compassion. He had care and concern for that nation. And, and Jonah wanted nothing to do with it. And so he ran the opposite way and he was, he was upset. But at the very end of Jonah, it's, you get a little more dialogue about God's heart and God's heart for, I like to phrase it as God's heart for the lost, right? And so God's heart is for people. It's for those who are saved, and it's, his compassion is actually there for those who are yet to be saved as well, because he desires that all would come to a saving knowledge of him. And as believers, you know, we have that opportunity to, when we encounter things, we get to have that opportunity of our, you know, our heart's going to be a little bit like Jonah's, where we're, we're not wanting to share, because in our hearts, we're not wanting to be 
a people of compassion in that moment, or maybe there's something that was too, we just feel that this group or this people committed something so unforgivable. Um, it's just one of those, one of those areas that we can, we can look in our own hearts when we encounter opportunities to give compassion. And then so we also see God's compassion revealed through Jesus in the New Testament, right? So one of uh, the, the root word for compassion in English, um, it, it's actually from a Latin word that means to suffer with. Um, that was really fascinating to me that in, in our concept, from our own language concept, the idea that compassion has an element of suffering. And, and it stood out to me because when we look at Jesus's life, when we look at what he did, you know, taking on human flesh, being, living on earth, going about, having to eat, having to sleep, all of that stuff, and then dying on the cross. Um, Jesus truly suffered, even to the point where he had his 12 disciples, and we know that Judas betrayed him. So Jesus even experienced, he experienced pain, he experienced, you know, the physical and emotional pain, and he experienced abandonment as well. Yet, in the midst of his life, Jesus was one to show compassion. So, you know, we see that in the Bible says it explicitly that he had compassion. We see that with um, the feeding of people in Matthew 15, 32, where, you know, he saw, he's like, hey, he had compassion. that These people had been following, they had been listening, and they didn't have any food. Um, he had compassion for their needs. He had compassion for um, the blind. In Matthew 20, 34, it references Jesus having compassion and and moving and bringing healing uh, to these people's eyesight. And then he also has compassion for those who aren't being led. So in Mark 6, 34, it references Jesus had compassion on them, on the people, because they were, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so we see both through Old and New Testament, God is a God of compassion. He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. And so when we set our hearts and our minds on him and we set our hearts and our minds on his character of who he is, his mercy, his compassion, his love, I would say it's truly impossible. I, I feel safe saying this. It's impossible if we position our hearts and our minds and focus on him. It's impossible not to be changed by that encounter with him. And so as we set our hearts and our minds, we will receive that transformation in the Lord to be more like him and to reflect his character. So the next thing, the next element out of this passage is putting to death the flesh. So 3, 5 through 9, Colossians 3, 5 through 9, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, whenever you read this sometimes, I feel like it's easy to, to sort of crunch it down and be like, oh, okay, those are all the major, the major things. That's, that's not me. That's not me at all. Um, which is great, you know, it's great that we're not, you know, as believers, we're not tied down to the flesh, right? We're not, we're not constantly, constantly controlled by it. And so when I was reading this, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And by God's grace, there's this element of, you know, putting death putting to death the flesh. Um, we are a new creation in Christ. When we, when we accept him, we are made a new creation. 
The one thing is we still have this element of flesh that's sort of kind of wrapped around us still, right? We still have, we live in a world that's fallen. We live in a world that's broken. And there is that very reality that we have. There are things that we all just have to be aware of, you know. As we set our minds on things above, we have to be aware of those things in our own heart, in our own lives that, that we need to deal with, that we need to put to the side, that we need to, well, not just put to the side, as Paul would say, we need to put it to death. Um, so in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So as we think about the idea of putting to death the flesh, um, so much of it, I've, I've come to find so much of it, the battle's up here in my mind, because, you know, all of us, if I move my arm, it's my brain telling me. <laughs> if I go to the store, it's my mind processing and saying, hey, go here, go there. If I get upset when I'm driving in my car because someone's going slow, that's all happening up here in my mind. Um, and so be encouraged because the, the, when we are turning our focus to the Lord, when, we, when it, we identify our, you know, a lot of times it's through the trials. It's a lot of um, when we hit trials that we realize, oh, there's, there's, a, little bit of, there's a little bit of flesh there that, that I need to deal with. Um, and it, it's so wonderful that the Lord can use trials. Um, to help reveal things that we need to just work on, that we can go to him for that, that help to, to transform. And that's where um, in you know, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, about, you know, in Ephesians, it talks about that it's not a physical war. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's a, it, there's a spiritual battle that's going on. And we know that it's through the Lord that, through his Holy Spirit, through his indwelling, through his renewal of our minds, it's a powerful thing that breaks the hold of the enemy. And this is really the foundation of deliverance ministry in the church. It's based in really that freedom that the Lord brings. And as believer, it's, believers, it's always a matter of us choosing to partner with him, choosing to allow him, you know, the, the song we sang last week of Make Room, that idea of, Okay, Lord, I'm inviting you in. There's, you know, here. <laughs> I'm inviting you in. There's the opportunity to be here. There's the opportunity to, you know, to look at my life, look at my heart, reveal what's in there, and allowing the Lord to work with us to help us move through those things. And so the third, the third item pulling from here is, uh, what do we clothe ourselves in? So first, as believers, we're turning our minds, we're turning our hearts to the Lord. And then in the process of that, we're remembering to put to death the flesh. The third thing is clothing ourselves. And it's like clothing ourselves in the things of the Lord. Like I was mentioning earlier, you know, when we work at certain places, we, we may wear a uniform, we may... Um, there's something that identifies us, you know, police officers, they're in uniforms, you know, firefighters, they're in, they're in firefighter garb uniform, um, 
you know, so there's all these things that, that I, you know, represent who we are. And so in Colossians 3.10, where, where, I'm sorry, 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So we're invited to continually clothe ourselves in these characteristics of the Lord. So we get to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And so what does that look like to put on those things, right? Um, You know, what it looks like is it's when we encounter someone, when we see somebody, when we see brokenness, when we hear about brokenness, do we choose to engage with it from more of a superior standpoint of looking and and judging the scenario that we see? Or are we willing to actually look at the person behind the brokenness and see that brokenness and have that deep-seated compassion in our hearts break and, and see them as the Lord would see them where there's someone who's lost or there's someone who's gone through trauma in their lives and there's someone who really needs to receive the Lord's healing. Um, And that's really us clothing ourselves. We, we clothe ourselves by taking on the characteristics of Christ, by reflecting him, by functioning in his love, by sharing his heart with others. Romans 13.4 um, says, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So in the process of us clothing ourselves, the, you know, the second part of putting to death the flesh, the third part of clothing ourselves, there's that continual reality that clothing ourselves with the Lord, clothing ourselves with those attributes of the Lord, it's ultimately going to require us not to gratify our flesh. So there's a lot of times I've, I've found that when I think about applying compassion in scenarios, um, I found probably the biggest hindrance for me is my own thoughts of what should be or what shouldn't be, right? So when I think about a block to compassion, so say, you know, I'll use driving. Driving is one of my easier examples of a common thing. Um, I could look and be like, ah, oh, why is this person driving so slow without any concern? Because for me, I wanted to get somewhere in a certain time. I want to be where I want to be, and it's actually tends to be more about me than about anyone else. And, you know, we know in, in Galatians when it talks about the flesh, you know, there is that flesh itself. It's a very selfish thing. It wants to satisfy itself. It wants to take care of itself. And it really just sees itself as the number one priority. Um, so there's that challenge of the, my, my flesh when I'm driving somewhere. It wants to be somewhere in a certain amount of time. It doesn't want to be slowed down. I want to be able to drive the speed I want to drive. I want to be able to go where I go. I don't want to have to slow down by 10 miles per hour. Um, all that sort of silly, I mean, it's sort of, I feel like it sounds really silly as I say it, because in the scheme of things, um, does it really matter, you know? And, and I feel when we're thinking about denying our flesh, the reality is a lot of times we are, we're having to lay down what we feel is a right, what we feel is an expectation, um, and even, you know, thinking of Philippians 2, the, the Christ hymn where it talks about Christ not 
viewing equality with God as something to grasp. We get to take on that mindset in order to help mitigate those desires of the flesh, because our flesh typically will always be self-serving. And an attribute like compassion, it's really not, it's not self-serving. There's, there's no value to the flesh to feel bad, to want to help alleviate someone's suffering. There's not, because it doesn't actually benefit the flesh itself. So the fourth, the fourth component of this passage is the peace of Christ. And in verses 3, 15 through 17, I'll read it. Uh, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the reason I feel that this fourth step, the peace of Christ, it's so important. When we think about when we are compassionate people, um, you know, compassion isn't needed when everything is perfect and everything is great. But our compassion often is stirred when we see brokenness, when we see um, loss, when we see hurt, when we see really the devastation of sin. And so it's very important that we make sure that we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts when we have compassion for others. Because if we don't allow his peace to be upon us in those things, then we will continually, I feel that we can struggle and I feel that we can actually get um, an unhealthy balance of, of how we feel with compassion. And so, you know, the peace of Christ, it's such a wonderful thing because his peace, when we have his peace, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter. It, nothing really matters because we have this knowledge. We have this, this connection that it's the Lord's going to work it out that he is sovereign, that he is in control, and we don't have to struggle, we don't have to fight, we don't have to tug a war with whatever we're going through. His peace is there, and it's good. And so Philippians 4, starting with verse 4, because it's one thing, I, I, I feel like in Colossians, just, you know, let the peace of Christ rule. So Philippians, I feel like, gives the best outline and that best encouraging reminder to us of this is how. How do we... How do we help keep? How do we help um, keep that peace going? So Philippians 4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So really the key to maintaining that peace, it really is, it's, 
prayer and petition, thanks and thanksgiving. We make our requests known to the Lord. We lift those things up to him. And it's not just a, I throw it out the window, but it's we lift it up to him in faith and trusting him that he is going to move and he is going to resolve and rectify whatever whatever may be going on. And that's where that's where we can find and that's how we can maintain that peace of Christ in our hearts. And so one thing with compassion, um, I have to say, you know, there's different things we encounter. We, we sometimes encounter physical needs that we can be moved to actually help contribute to. You know, I think to, um, you know, Pastor Ty a few weeks sharing back about what was going on in Sri Lanka. Um, and as a church, you know, that compassion and um, the church donating to help alleviate some of that suffering of, of ministers over in Sri Lanka who were having food shortages. Or I also think about there's, there's other times where maybe we encounter things, because as believers, we're going to encounter things that there's some things we just can't in and of ourselves, we, we can't, really, can't really fix. Um, and there are times where whether it's a, the loss of someone's loved one or... Um, there's a variety of other issues out there, but there are some times where, at the very least, our compassion should move us to intercede and to pray and to lift people up to the Lord. Um, you know, in, in the word, it tells us that even, even in relation to us, Jesus is, is a great intercessor who, in, who intercedes on behalf of us. And that's actually a role that we get to take as believers where we get to reflect Christ in ways when we're interceding for those those who are lost, those who are broken, um, those who we see that, that really that need the Lord to move. Um, and God is so good because, you know, it, it's one of those things I wish I could put a time stamp and say, you know, when we pray for the Lord to move and to break through, that it's going to happen within, like, you know, instantly. Um, but regardless of a time frame, we always can move or we can always pray and intercede on behalf of others and expect in faith that the Lord's going to move and going to bring that breakthrough uh, that they need. And so as we just land this here, there's so many, yeah, as believers, we get to, you know, I want to encourage us all to continue to set our minds and our hearts on what's above, uh, to continue that, even with all the craziness that continues to go on in our world. I mean, we, for all of us that uh, have had several decades behind us, um, you know, we're no strangers to craziness in the world, right? We see trends every, every few decades of something crazy that's happening. So just in the midst, as we live life together, just continue, continue, continue to set your mind on things above and let the compassion of the Lord, let that be a mark on